It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Thank you kindly, sir. Good afternoon and welcome. Great to have you with us for this September 1st. First day of a brand new month and uh, September, October, November is eh, a little bit more left in uh, Q3 here as the saying goes, but uh, not much. Wow. And uh, I don't know, see, we think we kind of start the official end of summer with the Labor Day weekend, don't we? And then normally we say we dive right back into school and all the stuff that felt normal. Yeah, <laughs> haven't felt that for a while, have we? Well, hang in there. Day at a time, I guess, is the best way we can all manage these challenges. Much to talk about on the program tonight, so we're going to get right down to cases. San Francisco Bay Area is currently in the longest spare-the-air alert ever. You know how we have the high peaks of warm weather and they tell us don't barbecue and you know try not to use a power mower and things of that for a while? Well, yeah, this is uh, all, of course, in part uh, due to what's been happening with not just the high temperatures, which are due to come back to the San Francisco Bay Area, but, of course, the Bay Area fires. And again, an update on the fantastic job and uh, just over-the-top sacrifice that has been made by the brave men and women of Cal Fire. Christine McMurrow joins us now, public information officer on behalf of Cal Fire. And, uh, Christine, we get the sense that uh, while it's not over yet, at least we're beginning to see some pretty significant progress in fighting all of these fires. So let's start. Of course, we have three major ones, the CCU, the CZU, and the LNU complex fires. It all began around mid-month. Two weeks into all of this, give us a progress report. Yeah, I will do that. And thanks for having me on to share this news with you. Um, we are seeing really good progress on all three of these major complexes that, that you mentioned. What we've seen over the last two nights, which is really good news, is very little fire growth in acreage and significant increase in containment. Right now, the LNU complex is at 69% contained. That's up six percentage points from yesterday, so that's great news. The SCU complex is up 10% containment from yesterday. Again, not a lot of significant growth in acreage in these fires. That's what we want to see to get them under control. The CZU is up to 43% containment, and that fire is probably one of the more active ones, but at the same time, we are getting a handle on that, and we are seeing um, fire activity starting to diminish. What's happening now is we are working really hard to get our damage inspectors out across uh, these burned communities and getting, getting that mapped and getting folks back into their homes and getting back into those neighborhoods so that they can see um, what damage has been done, what the status of their home and property is. That's where, where we're uh, putting a big focus right now is so that we can get folks uh, back into those communities. And we are seeing a lot of our evacuation orders being lifted and reduced. So that's a great sign. Yeah, I understand that, uh, for example, there had been some of those evacuation orders in parts of Santa Cruz and uh, Santa Clara that are being lifted. That's certainly encouraging news. And you know, as as much as you're able to open up uh, territory for folks to enter back in and get a sense of 
what's transpired and what they're up against, uh, the better that they have the opportunity to sort of um, get the ball rolling in the recovery process. Toward that end, I mentioned about the fact that we are seeing, Christine, potentially uh, more warmer temperatures here in the coming week, and it could be up as much as triple digits. We're certainly not out of the end of the summer heat, and that also means we're not out of the end of fire danger. Uh, how concerned is Cal Fire in relationship to the notion that this season seemed to hit earlier than ever? with, of course, the, the, the rare lightning strikes here in Northern California that have wreaked so much havoc. And I guess there is the sense that while we get a sigh of relief that in these key areas we're beginning to see some real significant progress thanks to the enormous hard work and sacrifice of Cal Fire and, of course, all the mutual aid that's come in. But I guess there's a sense that we're really not out of the danger zone yet, are we? No, and, you know, as many Californians know, September and October are the times of the year when we, we have seen um, some of our largest fires. It is the time of the year when um, our fuels are the driest. We often get these heat waves that we expect to see um, this weekend, although this one um, is going to be very hot um, throughout most of the state. And this is the time of the year when Cal Fire is on guard, regardless of what fires um, we are trying to put out at the moment. Um, we have our, our full seasonal staffing. And as you mentioned, we have mutual aid from uh, eight Western states, and they are all here helping us. And so we are definitely on guard. The good news is is that we are starting to be able to release some of these firefighters and send them home for some much-needed rest and recovery. They will, however, also be on guard um, and ready to respond at a moment's notice if that's what's needed. And, again, this is the time when CAL FIRE is really encouraging everyone to do their part to prevent wildfire. Um, like you said, these last, this last uh, round of lightning complexes was not caused by, by humans, but we do know that the majority of fires, up to 95% of the fires, wildfires that we experience are caused by humans. So that can be, um, you know, your, your chain dragging uh, when you're trailering. It can be pulling off your car into dry grass. Um, mowing and hit a hit a rock, things like that. So we want everyone to be extra vigilant this weekend when you're out enjoying the outdoors. Pay attention to um, how you're barbecuing and where you're barbecuing. If you're out camping, be sure that you are following every fire safety regulation um, in that county and in that community. It's extremely important, and we're really encouraging everyone to go to readyforwildfire.org so that they know what they can do to prevent wildfires and also to be ready in case a wildfire strikes their community. And I think it's important to underscore something that you just touched on, Christine, and that is the notion that um, in every true sense, while we look to Cal Fire and the various fire departments up and down the state to address a fire once it breaks out, it really is up to all of us 
to prevent these kinds of forest fires, aren't they? And, and, and just really do our due diligence, both in terms of creating these defensible boundaries around our homes and our properties. And then as we travel and here in the waning months of summer, want to maybe, or a little time of summer here, want to enjoy uh, some travel and a little bit of getaway. And with all going on with COVID-19, uh, being outdoors is probably a good thing. Uh, but with that, of course, comes some pretty inherent da dangers if we're not being responsible. Absolutely. And um, we want everybody to have some sense of normalcy right now. And if being outdoors and being in the forest and recreating is your sense of normalcy, we want you to be out there doing that. But please do it responsibly. Be aware of uh, the fire danger. And just knowing that 95% of wildfires are human caused. Um, Hopefully that will help people realize and think about everything they're doing, not just with um, things like campfires, but as I was mentioning, you know, even something like pulling your, your car off into dry grass can spark a wildfire. And on a hot, dry, windy day, that's all it takes for something very small to become something very large. And that's what we hope that everyone will help us prevent this weekend and into the rest of fire season. There was always some good advice doled out by my uh, my childhood friend, Smokey the Bear, that used to remind all of us, only you can prevent forest fires. So good advice that remains to this day. Information on the web on how to prepare, to create defensible space, to be ready to have your emergency supply kit ready to go along with an evaluation plan. You can get all that information and more at readyforwildfire.org. That's ready for, spelled out F-O-R, readyforwildfire.org. Our thanks to Christine McMurrow, Public Information Officer with CAL FIRE. Christine, kudos and a big high five to all of you for the tremendous sacrifice and job all of you are doing. Thank you so much on behalf of all of us here in California. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Take care now. 515, let's get you an update on traffic. We'll head over to the KFAX Traffic Center for the latest. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back to the conversation. 520 here on the Tuesday edition of Lifeline. We return back to a bit of a more programming, more normal programming schedule following the two weeks of election coverage um, of the respective parties' conventions. That said, we've got a long ways to go, right? Sometime before the general election in November, and while we'll spend some time later on in the program talking about how you can make sure that you get out there and vote and make sure that your vote is counted, I want to talk about some of the influences. We have gone through, with the advent of social media and the Internet, an unprecedented um, time here of the opportunity of foreign interests to influence our elections, and justifiably so from their perspective justifiable because the direction of a nation based on congressional leaders, certainly presidential leadership, often means either a difficult time or an easier time for them in terms of relations with the United States and getting all the benefits that they want. That said, given the challenges that we saw in the 2016 election with foreign influence, 
Is that behind us, or is there more yet to come? Stephen Mosher joins us now. Stephen is an internationally recognized authority on China. We've talked to Stephen in the past about issues related to China's controversial one-child policy, now the two-child policy, and where it stands on population issues. Um, he is a best-selling author. One of his more recent books is Bully of Asia, Why China's Dream is the New Threat to World Order, newly published by Regnery Press. And Stephen, is always great to have you on the program. How disturbed should Americans be with the notion that foreign interests are using the news that we consume, the social media that we engage, in order to tap into Americans' conscience and as a result, in every way that they possibly can, attempt to influence our opinions and ultimately our decision-making? Uh, Craig, we should be extremely concerned about this, especially where China is concerned. And, and I say that as someone who studied China for the last 40 years and understand that China and its interference in the election is far more sophisticated, uh, far more far-reaching, and uh, they're spending a lot more time and money to influence the 2020 election than the Russians ever did in days past. I mean, they make the Russian effort look like child's play. And let me give you one example. Some of it's covert, a lot of it's covert, but some of it is open. I mean, their propaganda broadsheet that they publish in English, it's an adjunct to the People's Daily in Chinese. It's called the Global Times. The Global Times recently published an article saying that, uh, that people around the world prefer Joe Biden to Donald Trump because, because Joe is smoother. He's easier to deal with. Well, they were speaking about their own hopes when they called Joe Biden smooth. Um, and, but, of course, then we get into social media that you mentioned. China has what they call a Wu Mao army. What's Wu Mao? Wu Mao is 50 cents. This 50 cent army of people, tens of thousands of people, are working overtime to post on social media, uh, on Facebook, on, on Instagram, uh, for the next few days on TikTok until it goes out of business in the United States, thank goodness, uh, trying to manipulate the election. They're paid 50 cents a post. So this vast army of uh, Chinese is being paid to troll our Internet and post anti-Trump, uh, pro-Biden messages. Uh, and and that's, that's so obvious that, in fact, the director of our National Counterintelligence and Security Center, William Evanina, has said that, uh, that it assesses that China prefers Trump, um, that prefers Trump does not win re-election. Um, so I think that's that's uh, that states it as clearly as as one could. How do we go about addressing this? I mean, we saw it with the Russians in 2016. Now we're seeing it with the Chinese in 2020. And, and no doubt a number of these nefarious characters on the world stage that are either jockeying for position of power, as China is with the United States, or attempting to gain some sense of uh, not only favoritism, but even maybe a, a sense of retaliation for uh, the change in U.S attitudes related to trade policies, and, and then I would think of, of other bad actors out there. It could run the gambit from a North Korea that's simply looking to under, undermine American influence in Asia to a country like Venezuela that feels as if it has an axe to grind uh, because the United States government does not and has not supported uh, the Chavez-Maduro regime. So that said, I, I, I get the sense here, Stephen, that this is something that um, while maybe new to the last election cycle, 
uh, is here and potentially here to stay. So then how do we combat this? How do Americans sort of uh, divvy up the understanding of, of when it's your next door neighbor that's trying to influence your vote as opposed to somebody with less than admirable um, goals at mind that's across the world trying to influence your vote? Yeah, I, Craig, I think it's safe to say that, uh, that, 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 that there are a lot of bad actors out there, uh, foreign and domestic, who are rooting against Donald Trump. I mean, ISIS is clearly rooting for Biden, what's left of it. Venezuela and North Korea, you mentioned, they're certainly rooting against Trump, who's been very harsh on them in terms of sanctions. China, we've talked about, is, is rooting against Trump. Iran is certainly rooting for Biden, who delivered all the cash to them a few years ago. At home, we've got the Communist Party endorsing Biden, Antifa, and BLM. Who do you think they're supporting? So it's almost as if all enemies of America, foreign and domestic, are, are rooting against uh, the president, the current president of the United States. And some of it is social media. But, you know, we have now some evidence of, of bad actors within the United States acting more directly. Uh, I, I read an article by Radio Free Asia, uh, which is our broadcast service into the communist countries of Asia about the fact that the Houston consulate of the of the People's Republic of China, which was closed down just a couple of weeks ago, uh, virtually overnight closed down. It was closed down because Chinese military intelligence was using it as a base from which to use social media within the United States to recruit militants for Antifa and BLM activities for, for riots in, in American cities contributing to the unrest that China hoped would lead to uh, Trump's defeat in November. That's an extraordinary thing. But that would explain why the Houston consulate was closed down overnight, because it was engaged in activities, obviously, uh, at variance with the uh, uh, diplomatic, diplomatic protocol. And then, of course, a few weeks ago in the riots outside the White House, there were Chinese-speaking rioters who, when they were noticed, uh, were ordered to go home. They were told to leave quickly, leave now. I heard them speak uh, on the recording. Uh, and I wonder how much of the funds that collected to bail out the arsonists, looters, and rioters were contributed by Chinese agents and front companies in the United States. That wouldn't be hard to do, and that would help to create the revolving door that leads uh, the rioters from last night to be out on the streets tonight to continue what they, what they do best or what they do worst. So some of this well, and, is very, very malign, and it's very, very direct, and we've got to deal with it. And sadly, we've opened that door open so wide now that trying to ever completely close it is going to be a near impossibility. And who might have guessed on the early cusp, the early edge of something like MySpace or Facebook, we thought, oh, isn't it quaint? Mark Zuckerberg is creating a way for college students to be able to be in touch with each other. It's like a quaint uh, keep up with your friends and meet no, new people and dating app. <laughs> only to see here we are over a decade later and the nefarious means by which the influence of this organization willfully or otherwise is able to have a negative impact on not just public opinion but ultimately uh, make every attempt to try and taint and influence our elections. That brings me back full circle to a question that I guess we're going to be asking a lot of ourselves in the coming months and maybe years, and that is, how do we combat this? I mean, short of saying we're shutting all this stuff down, 
you know, if, if people do not have the capacity of reading something on social media and then making a decision for themselves, doing the independent research and drawing their own conclusions, and they're going to buy into every conspiracy theory or or a whack job out there, uh, I mean, do we resign ourselves that this is going to be the fate of America, that, that the greatest and strongest democracy in the world can be tinkered with by bad actors from overseas? And if the answer is we don't like that, what do we do about it? Yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to combat it now. I mean, we're, we've closed down. I know that uh, Facebook and Google, uh, that a lot of us have opinions about in terms of their own handling of the news sometimes, have closed down literally thousands of fake accounts uh, that originate in China and that were being used to launch a series of violent attacks on uh, the United States and, and on the current administration, uh, because the Chinese Communist Party, of course, has has been brought up short by President Trump in a way that uh, no previous administration over the last 25 years has, uh, has, has been as tough on China. So it's a constant battle. Uh, and, you know, in, in battles like this, uh, the offense always seems to be one step ahead of the defense. So we've just got to play smart this game smarter and harder. While protecting the free flow of information within the United States, Craig, that's the big problem. To the extent that we censor uh, information coming from overseas, we have to make sure that we don't engage deliberately or in, inadvertently in censorship within the United States because then we become what we beheld uh, we, too, go down the road of, of losing the openness and freedom of information that characterizes and protects our, our society and our democracy. So it's a really it's a really tough road to hope. No doubt. A, 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 a challenging and yet very delicate dance, to be sure. Well, Stephen, we appreciate the insights on this. Again, you can get information about Stephen's uh, most recent bestseller, Bully of Asia, Why China's Dream is the new threat to world order, again, published by Regnery Press and available at bookstores uh, throughout the Bay Area, as well as, of course, the usual suspects, Amazon.com. Stephen Mosher, thanks so much for the time today. I'll mention, by the way, just uh, full disclosure here, that uh, Regnery Press is owned by the same great folks that own this radio station. Wow. So we've got uh, China supporting Joe Biden and Russia supporting President Trump, and we're stuck in the middle to have to deal with it all. Absolutely amazing. And uh, as Stephen points out, a big challenge to be sure. How do you address something like that? Shut it down and yet make sure that we protect U.S. interests and our First Amendment rights. Some things I suspect not even the founding founders could have anticipated. Technology, ain't it great? Wait, 531, let's get a look at traffic. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, against the backdrop, of course, of the challenges of dealing with the fires throughout the San Francisco Bay Area and many parts of both northern and southern California has been, of course, COVID-19. And COVID-19 has impacted so much of our lives from the devastation it's had on the economy to the tragic loss of life. We've now equaled the combined deaths of, uh, I think it's the First World War and Vietnam combined. And uh, the numbers just continue to grow. Along with that, of course, have been a varied mixture of attempts to try and slow the impact of the pandemic 
by both state and local municipalities. Some have been successful, others have been largely disastrous. One that, to be sure, is of great interest to all of us, and that is the impact of these regulations on church gatherings. And while it's been an off-again, on-again, start-and-stop sort of approach to all of this, there are some degrees to which the warnings that we heard from the beginning, that if it wasn't done with an interest of health and the the all-important preservation and protection of the First Amendment rights, um, held in, in, in high regard that this could really get out of control very quickly. Well, many of those dire predictions that some said would never come to pass are re regretfully now coming to fruition. Witness, for example, what has happened now in Southern California to John MacArthur's church. Grace Community Church that initially had challenged the local coronavirus restrictions regarding worship services has now met the full force of the anger and angst of Los Angeles County. And to give us an update on what's happening here, we're joined by constitutional lawyer, the founder and president of the Pacific Justice Institute, Brad Dacus. And, Counselor, I think it's one thing to say that the state was not pleased with John MacArthur opening the church up again, maybe didn't comply fully with all of the recommendations in relationship to mandatory face masks, social distancing, things of that sort. I'm not there, so I don't know. But I do know this. For the county to turn around and say, okay, won't play ball our way. We're going to punish you by canceling a lease agreement that has existed between Grace Community Church and the County of Los Angeles for more than five decades. That seems to me that they are really tipping their hand in terms of their utter disregard and disrespect for the church. What say ye? Well, Craig, uh, this does definitely tip their hand and shows you where they're coming from. Um, if they are contending that they're doing this because uh, the, uh, John MacArthur is uh, violating the, the law, uh, violating the mandate, and therefore uh, that's why they're doing this. Well, they have a court of law. They can get all the relief they want in a court of law if they are correct. And, if, and they actually have been uh, had difficulty doing that, getting the TRO extended. So now they're going a different route. Well, but if they are true and if they are correct, then they'll get that relief in a court of law. But what they're discovering is they're not getting that relief because they realize there's a good chance that a judge is simply going to say, this is outrageous, this is unconstitutional, this goes, this goes too far. And so now they're, they're now doubling down and engaging in just outright bully uh, tactics and tyranny. You, you don't uh, stop a lease but just because you don't like someone or you don't like what they believe or the fact that they lost and uh, you took them to court and you lost and they won. So now you're going to start stop their lease. Um, that is not even that's that's not justified. Uh, they if they believe that this church is violating the law, there's a remedy. It's called a court of law, and the fact that they don't think they're going to prevail, that's really tipping their hand. That the fact that they're doing something this this dastardly when they know them when they can't even justify their actions legally in a court of law. 
Well, and the fact that there's never been a hiccup along the way, there's never been a th- threat to not renew the lease agreement or to threaten um, Grace Community Church with cancellation of the lease for violation of some clause of the terms of the agreement. There has been not one iota of trouble, from what I understand, in the 45 years that this lease agreement, for nothing more than a blacktop parking lot that has existed between a Grace Community Church and the uh, the county of Los Angeles, and and this this I don't know th- this seems to be the 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 moral equivalent of we don't like what you're doing you're not doing things our way so we're we're going to cut off water to the church or we're going to shut off your electricity simply because we can they found something that they knew would be painful to the church and they're using it as a tool to try to extract revenge i mean you know listen if they're that upset you know i i i I guess be an adult about it i would say to to the county of los angeles and say you know if you really feel that strong about it you know go send marshals over there and try to shut down the church or arrest john MacArthur. i'm certainly john is a dear friend so i'm not advocating that i'm just simply saying if if the county was really trying to be honorable somehow and simply demonstrating their concern for the welfare and the health of church attendees, it would seem to me that there could be a variety of approaches, including sending sheriffs in there to pass out face masks, as opposed to simply saying, let's find something that we can easily control and use it as a weapon against the church and its congregation. Shame on the county of Los Angeles. Right. The the county of Los Angeles uh, should take actions when they know that uh, they have the legal support to do so. And they they brought it went into court. They couldn't get the release that they wanted. The L.A. County uh, was could not make their case. So if they don't have the legal justification to be able to win in court, their basic point, which is that the the the, uh, the pastor and his church are violating somehow violating the law, if they can't win that in court, then they have no justification uh, to legitimate justification to do what they're doing and cutting off the lease. Uh, that's just tyranny. That's uh, that's government, uh, you know, being sore losers, not respecting the law, and instead actually uh, fighting uh, the, the whole concept of, of law and justice. This is the government. This is even a private party we're talking about. This is the government uh, who arbitrarily wishes to enforce what they want, even if they don't have legal standing in a court of law to be able to justify it, and it's tyranny. And do, do, and do you, uh, from, from a constitutional standpoint, Counselor, share my opinion that there is potentially frightening precedents that could be set here if this is allowed to stand. Going back to my tongue-in-cheek example a moment ago, so what's to prevent any any community who, let's say, uh, they have their own water service, so you you uh, your church is in, I don't know, the city of San Mateo. I'm making this up. I think San Mateo is actually covered by the um, San Francisco Water District. But let's say your, your community has its own water supply. Does this mean that if the church does something that the the city or the county doesn't agree with and they've gone to court and they've sought legal injunction and they have failed to convince a judge and so therefore they're now going to retaliate by saying, let's cut off services, let's deny them access to electricity or water, make them hold a church service on a Sunday morning in a 105-degree temperature with no air conditioning because we pulled power to the building? I mean, I, 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 something like this, if allowed to stand 
could spiral out of control and become so dangerous to First Amendment rights, it's frightening we're even having this conversation. You're, you're absolutely right. Uh, it is very frightening. Uh, to give people an understanding of, of how far this could go, uh, let's say local government didn't like uh, what a church believed. And they had bases, no, we don't like your, uh, your, your hiring employment policy, that your, your uh, standards that you have based on the Bible. We think it's bigotry or whatever. Um, so we're going we're gonna to halt your, your, uh, the lease that we have with you uh, because we don't like what you believe. Not because they're breaking the law, just because the government is intolerant towards them and their viewpoint or their perspective. And, and that is very, very tyrannical. This is very serious. This is uh, a grotesque abuse of power, in this case, by the Los Angeles County, the Board of Supervisors. Uh, and, it, and if they get away with this, I can see them bullying other churches, uh, liberal communities, and San Francisco Bay Area is unfortunately a classic uh, setup for this, where Christians are sometimes often in the minority, churches in the minority, and to see them bullied and forced to shut down, not based on violating the law, not based on not paying their bills, but based upon what they believe and how they choose to worship God and follow their beliefs. And that is horrific. Wow. Well, we're going to follow this case real closely. This is a frightening one. And if you tuned in a bit late uh, and, and can't believe what you think you've heard, uh, let, me, let me add to your sense of disbelief. Um, the county officials for Los Angeles, with whom there is a lease agreement for a church parking lot that has existed between Grace Community Church, that's the church that Pastor John MacArthur of Grace to You pastors, this lease for this parking lot goes back 45 years. They've had this agreement since 1975. And uh, because the county apparently has been uh, uh, unsuccessful in, uh, in trying to shut down the church as a part of their COVID-19 regulations in the county, they are trying to extract further pain by telling the church they're done. Come October 1st, they have to vacate the lot. No, no regard whatsoever to the impact on the church. In fact, if anything, they're doing this because they know it could have a deleterious impact on the church. And uh, it is frightening to think that in 2020, uh, things have reached this apex of threat to the First Amendment rights of Americans in this country. But this is sadly and exactly where we've come to. Our thanks for the update. There is constitutional lawyer, founder, and president of the Pacific Justice Institute, Brad Dacus. More information available on the web at pacificjustice.org. That's pacificjustice.org. Coming up next, good reason to vote as we get to that conversation and Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Word of what's going on in Los Angeles now and the direct attack on John MacArthur's church by officials of the county of Los Angeles ought to be an additional motivation to you in seeing the dangerous times in which we live and the slippery slope down which we seemingly head to recognize and I know longtime listeners to the show will say, Craig, this is not the first time you said this is the election of our life. Um, and I've meant it every time. 
but I mean it more this time than I've ever meant it before. This is the election of our life. There is so much at stake right now in terms of not just the, the need for management of this COVID-19 disaster, to what's happening in the economy, to the very threat on our religious freedom and First Amendment rights, that it is incumbent upon all of us to make sure there's not a single excuse that you are not fully participatory in this process of self-governance, that government of, by, and for the people, as Lincoln said, and that we make sure we do not miss out on having our vote counted November 3rd. Joined next by Brian Johnston. Brian, of course, is the Western Regional Director with the National Right to Life Committee. He is the host of Life Matters, heard every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. right here on KFAX. And, and Brian, I guess it, it is really true. There is so much at stake in our nation, not just from a standpoint of the nation's physical health concern and economic health, spiritual health, and even our own ability to to have freedom of thought, freedom of association, freedom of speech, even those things are a threat in America today. Greg, you are so right. And your reference there to John MacArthur's church in Los Angeles County, the mayor and the county supervisors, it underscores really what we're focusing on, asking individuals throughout the state to focus on. And that is your local county this year, all 58 counties have local elections, and the importance cannot be overemphasized. A lot of us are looking now to the presidential race, and that's important. But in fact, we don't want to be like the Israelites were. They wanted a king. That isn't how God sets things up, and that isn't how America is set up. The president isn't going to fix everything. He's going to do as much as he can. But if you aren't responsible locally, don't expect there to be dramatic changes. You know, the only way I serve the Western states, and there are certain states that are pro-life, but the reason they're pro-life is that the pro-life communities, county by county, make sure that their elected representatives are pro-life, and we're asking people to do that now. So for the Bay Area counties, if you'd like to know who is pro-life city council, school board, mayors? All of those offices are up. But if you once you get that ballot and you only know one or two names at the top, the president and maybe there's a congressional race, probably not in your area, you're going to look at an empty slate. You won't know what to do with those 40 other votes. So we're asking you to help us. California pro-life is targeting counties and asking you to help in your county to identify the pro-life candidates that's going on now. And if you'd like to help, we need your help. Remember in the book of Nehemiah that Nehemiah was grieved for his country, his people. The city of Jerusalem had been destroyed, and we've seen this in the Spirit, that, that the walls of America have been assaulted. The gates have been burned with fire as had been the case in Nehemiah. But he wasn't just grieved. He prayed about it. That's good. I know a lot of listeners are praying about what's happened in our nation. But we must also then take action. And in Nehemiah, those who took action built the walls at their own house. They actually, they made sure that the gates 
were rebuilt of their own city, and we're called to do that. So we're asking if you'd like to help identify the pro-life candidates, and there's going to be many in your county, if you would contact California Pro-Life and say, yes, I want to help my county. I want to identify the school board, the city council, the mayors that are running, those who are running for mayor. Again, as you pointed out, in Los Angeles, that mayor, Garcetti, he, he's not with us. He's not pro-life. He's a progressive. His ideology, progressives, to sum it up quickly, they believe mankind is simply progressing and that there's a destiny for mankind, but it's not tied to God. Progressivism isn't tied to a destiny in God. It's tied to mankind developing and moving forward and having conflicts bring about a new world order. Progressives are opposed to these principles. So we have to make sure that you're city and your school board. Remember, Planned Parenthood wants people on your school board. The only way for you to stop that, the president won't be able to stop what happens in Alameda County or in Contra Costa County or Santa Clara County. You can. And if you help in your county identify those candidates, then we can distribute that information to people of faith so they can use their vote wisely and rebuild the walls right where they are, right where they are. And right now, what we're going to do, think of this, it's really true. We elect those who will stand at our city gates. That's literally what you're doing. You're giving authority to people to represent you in your city. And if the wrong people have authority, then then bad things happen. And then we moan as Christians, we tend to moan about it later, and we might pray about it, and we'll even demonstrate and have signs. But it's very hard, and we've talked about it before. I know that you have Brad on often as well. I think he's just on. We do a lot at the Capitol. But if you haven't helped send someone into office, it's very hard to get them to see once they're elected. It is at election time that you rebuild the walls. It is at election time that you secure the gates of your town and your city and your county. So we're asking people to care enough to identify those pro-life candidates for school board. And again, schools are the most vulnerable, and they're the lowest level of elective office. It's very powerful. And a few votes can change everything. If you'd like to help, we'd ask you to send an email to info at CaliforniaProLife.org, it's all spelled out, no hyphens, and say, I want to help my county. And we'll give you the tools to do that. We're in this window right now. We just have a couple of weeks between now. It's on October 3rd. Everyone's going to have ballots. They're going to sit at their table, and they're going to stare at them. And a lot of people won't know what to do. We want to be able to guide you locally in each and every county in California, 58 counties. We're doing this throughout the state. It's a huge job. But if folks will help in their own county, you can help take back the land. And again, to get more information and to uh, sign up to volunteer, you can simply send an email with your contact information to info at CaliforniaProLife.org. That's info at CaliforniaProLife.org. We'll be talking more about... uh, the critical season here to make sure that you are registered to vote and indeed do get out the vote. Uh, We are 
two months and two days away from the election. And there's an awful lot at stake right now, so it's important that you not only have your voice be heard, but your vote counted. Info at CaliforniaProLife.org. Be sure to tune in Saturday mornings at 11 for the program hosted by Brian Johnston called Life Matters. Life Matters with Brian Johnston, Saturday mornings, 11 a.m. right here on KFAX. Information, CaliforniaProLife.org. Six o'clock from KFAX. Let's get you a look at traffic.